Hello and welcome to the Experience Lounge podcast. I'm Sasha. I'm Laura. And we're here to talk all things employee experience, experience design, future of work and digital HR. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome back to the Experience Lounge podcast. This is episode 41. We have surpassed the 4-0, the big 4-0, um, which is, you know, quite monumental. Um, but yes, welcome back to everyone, episode 41 and a really special episode, sad but also exciting. This is going to be the last episode for a little while whilst I go off and have a baby. That's the plan. <laughs> So yes. um, this will actually, this episode will drop hopefully once my baby has arrived. So um, yes, this marks the last one for a little while whilst I take some maternity leave and then we will be back um, in the not too distant future. So please don't worry too much, but you have got 41 episodes to sit through. So if you're new to the podcast, <laughs> plenty of content for you um exactly. to enjoy but before we get into today's episode which is a very reflective one and kind of looking ahead to next year Laura how are you doing I am good um uh, oh, I was gonna say I had a lovely time on holiday but then I'm like people are gonna see that we're, we're in the same outfit <laughs> so great acting though I love that was commitment <laughs> So I'm good. Um, as we said before, <laughs> we're um, recording a couple of episodes in one in one day. So no, I'm good. Um, looking forward actually to going on holiday, which I mentioned in the last episode. <laughs> yes, rather you than thinking about the the experience that I that I had. That just shows I'm not a good liar, and I always think yeah. that is that is a a good a good place to be. That I'm not a good liar. It is. I would have really, had you said that, I would have really gone in and been like, oh yeah, what was your favourite restaurant? What was the weather like <laughs> on this holiday yeah. that you haven't been it was, on it was really, it, Yeah, it was really nice though. <laughs> yeah, so how are you? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm doing good. So yeah, as you said, we're recording these kind of back to back. I'm trying to think if there's anything else to update everybody on, but um, no, interesting kind of work-related call out. So I wrapped up a very short-term engagement with um, a big client of mine, probably the biggest brand I've worked mm. with to date. And you know what? It was a real success. And I don't think we talk about projects that are on time enough, but it was a project that was delivered on time and exceeded expectations. And the team learned a lot about EX listening and research. So I'm glad. I feel like I'm finishing work, work on a high. So I'm to call that That's out. Good. So if you're working on a project and it's going well and you're sticking to your timelines, it must mean that you have a boutique consultancy working with you because that just wouldn't have happened with a big consultancy. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> but congrats to you, I think. Um, yeah, so something to be celebrated. But anyway, I digress. Um, we are going to be talking today about looking ahead to 2023. And I can't believe we're saying that because we're recording this in September, but we're going to be talking about EX trends for next year, as well as kind of a reflection on some of the big I guess, milestones in the EX space this year. So what have we seen? It's been quite a interesting year for employee experience. You know, we're all grappling with this kind of return to office piece, especially. Um, so we wanted to do a bit of reflection on that. So we're going to start with kind of what have been the, def the defining moments um, for EX in 2022. And then we'll kind of set ourselves forward yeah. for, for 2023. So with that in mind, um, and before we jump into that, just as we're wrapping up, I did want to call out a couple of 
good virtual courses because I get asked this a lot Laura you're probably the same Mm. I get asked all the time you know oh I want to get into employee experience employee experience design what would I recommend and we will of course leave links in the show notes for you but there are three I want to call out um the first is the Luma Institute which Laura and I have completed our human-centered design practitioner training with and we definitely rate them it's a really great interactive human-centered design course um and it's live and I think that makes all the difference so I I would definitely say Luma is is number one for me so if you're looking for a course definitely check them out IDOU do similar ones so I finished a designing strategy one a few weeks ago we spoke about that on the podcast um but IDOU again very similar around design thinking so you've got lots of options there and then the last one that I'd call out is a brand called AJ and Smart have you heard of these guys Laura no um so they're a UX design agency I think they're based in Amsterdam I could be wrong or Berlin I'm not entirely sure but they have a huge mm. presence on YouTube so if you if you search AJ and Smart on YouTube you'll find loads of their videos um but they run some courses as well on kind of design thinking workshop training and facilitation so I would definitely yeah. call those out as well so just a little little feature before we jump into the discussion today if you're looking for some training you need to go and ask for some budget to do some training next year those are just some some thoughts on courses but any thoughts from you Laura no I think they um they they would be similar to what I would recommend to biggest one I'm most familiar with is is Luma so I I would definitely recommend that one and I think on our Instagram we've shared some books before too right of some good some good ones to to have a read I think there's more out there now than there used to be even a couple yeah. of years ago for people to sort of get upskilled in some in some of the techniques yeah yeah definitely fabulous okay so question one for today's episode what have been some of the defining EX moments for you this year Laura so I think one's probably and we mentioned it briefly in an episode recently around quiet quitting um and I said the same then that I think the term's slightly misleading, but it, it basically has meant that people, it's not that they wouldn't do a good job, but they would not necessarily kind of kill themselves to go above and beyond or always be switched on and available. So I almost think the term doesn't actually really describe what it is actually, but I think that's definitely been one that I've seen sort of talked about a lot on Yeah on LinkedIn and, and and sort of other news outlets as well. And I think the other one that really has stuck in my mind this year is an extension of hybrid working. So we talked a lot earlier in the year and possibly even last year actually on the podcast around future of work, hybrid working as COVID restrictions were starting to lift in a number of countries, what what was the sort of lasting impact in terms of hybrid working and and that sort of offering for organizations but I've certainly seen that pivot this year and almost to to more be about how can we make this actually embed and land and I'm sort of seeing this real dichotomy between the sort of individual need for flexibility versus the kind of corporate need for productivity and innovation yeah and I think it's creating a lot of tension in terms of 
almost like what's the right way to do hybrid and for me the the jury's still out in the sense of I I don't think there's there's the blueprint and I think it depends a lot on you know your industry the type of organization you are the culture you're trying to drive but some real challenges I think the organizations are starting to work through from an EX perspective around actually there are some real benefits but there's also challenges Mm -hmm. and I don't think organizations have kind of either thought those fully through or worked those fully through yet so they've been a couple of big ones what about what about you yeah I agree um and it's been really interesting especially with that kind of hybrid working return to office piece as well even the language is interesting right Yeah. yeah um I actually find myself correcting people now quite confidently when they say return to work and I'm like are you saying we haven't been working for the last few yeah. years because that's rude um but return to office I think yeah like you say everyone's grappling with it we've seen people you know large companies like Google flip-flop around this um Apple struggling with it uh, we've seen like the Elon Musks of the world coming out and saying very bold things like if you're not coming back for 40 hours go and find a new job um so I think that has certainly been really quite a defining piece for EX this year. I think the other thing we've seen um, across the board is kind of uh, quite emotive health-related programs. So menopause at work was a big one. I feel like more so at the start of the year, we saw loads of organizations come out with that as well as pregnancy Mm. loss, which we'll talk talk about more at the end of the um at the end of this episode but pregnancy loss at work and then one I've seen coming up recently is um campaigns around pap smears and so Mm. offering you know dedicated time off to go and attend your pap smear appointment so I think that's also been quite defining because I think it means we're moving more towards thoughtful programs of Mm. support and leave and so on so so I'd also say those things like menopause at work was definitely a big one, um, pregnancy loss at work. And then another one that we spoke about, Roe v. Wade. I think that was a really yeah. defining one this year. Um, yeah. Not just because it was huge and, um, you know, a real kind of landmark for a lot of people, but also because I think it kind of spun up this conversation about organizations having or taking a stance on social issues I think that's been a real catalyst what do you think yeah I think that's the piece um when we talked in the gen z discussion about employee activism there have been some examples this year I think and Roe versus versus Wade is one and the overturning of that around what is the stance that organizations will come out with And, and we sort of said sometimes that's erring on the side of it being more liberal but I think organizations are grappling with you can't isolate certain groups of yeah. employees because that's actually not inclusive so I think that's a real challenge and I and I and I, and I do think that's going to get more difficult for organizations to sort of think through mm-hmm. in that EX space and how yeah. do you sort of make sure that if it is quite a divisive topic that it's also one that doesn't divide your you know, your employee base. I mm. think that's going to be super important for sure yeah, as well. Absolutely. So moving on to question two then, looking ahead, what do we think is going to linger? What do we? What do you think we'll still be grappling with from an EX perspective next year? So I do think hybrid working, because um, I think it's here to stay, because I, I, I think that point around 
the tension between the individual and the collective, I just don't think, I just don't think people are going to give up what they perceive as almost that right to flexibility, because I think during COVID we saw what it meant. And it's that sort of going back to, to purpose and work, not just being, you know, the, 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 the sort of a broader, sense of self and I think that uh, ability when you offer flexi working that means you can navigate that around your childcare commitments or if you've got caring responsibilities for um, perhaps older parents as an example or or even actually if you don't have caring responsibilities and it might just be that an optimal way to work means that you can you can flex your day around you know being able to exercise or you know get some time out in nature whatever it might be I just think people value that more from a mental health perspective and well-being than they ever did and 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 I think the tension is from an from an employee base I don't think people want to let go of that and they expect that now and I, I still firmly believe, and this is sort of a personal view of my own, but I think organized, I think employees will vote with their feet in the sense that they will either leave mm-hmm. and try and find other organizations that align more with that flexibility they might be looking for, or they'll dig their heels in. And I think then organizations need to question sort of how far are you going to push it? Because if we got into a, a sort of culture where people were getting disciplined because they're not they're not sort of working in the mandated way I don't know if that's that sort of feels like that's not necessarily a culture that you know some organizations would want to drive so I think it's a really really tricky topic now to navigate as um as lots of organizations I think are feeling that so that's one definitely for me the other and this is something I certainly feel in the UK because you know, there is a lot in the media. Some of that is sensationalization, but it's it's still true. A huge kind of cost of living crisis is yeah. is looming. The impact of that on um, you know people's household bills, decisions that they might make about you know heating their homes for the winter. Whether I think that could play out in terms of impact around commuting into the office or even perceived things around. I will come into the office more because I want to be visible and I'm, I'm doing visible for those that are listening um, on audio in air quotes, because I think that that sort of, um, I say perceived almost presenteeism, but if you're sort of thinking about if we're going into a bit of an economic downturn, organisations typically may be looking to, you know, make some redundancies, some layoffs. And there is, I think, a perceived view that if you're more physically visible, you might be safe in some way. Um, so, yeah, I just think it all sort of play out some interesting behaviours. Um, and I do sort of think in the context of if you do have cost of living crisis um in different countries and that economic downturn from an EX perspective, do we look at topics around things like financial well-being yeah and I think they will sort of you know play more of a a role from an EX perspective but but what else do you think yeah I totally agree and I I think certainly super pronounced at the moment in the UK cost of living crisis and you know um you know gas prices especially over the winter and I I Mm. I agree with you I think we're really going to see the fallout of that next year not just in the UK but everywhere as well um for sure. I think we'll also see um, the grappling around 
social and political issues I think that will extend into next year you know we actually called this out on Instagram recently um so if you're not following us go and go and follow us there um but the there's going to be a lot more coming our way from the U.S. Supreme Court around um, more than just Roe v. Wade around, you know, gay rights in particular. And so with that being said, given what we saw this year with Roe v. Wade, I think also what we'll see is organisations grappling with what kind of voice do we have externally? How involved do we get? But also how do we get ahead of this, right? So, Mm. you know, with Roe v. Wade, there were some organisations that knew this was coming and prepared for announcements and programs to support their employees well in advance Mm. um so I think that will also exist um if I sound out of breath it's because I am very out of breath people so yeah no when you've got a a baby (laughs) pushing on your diaphragm exactly (laughs) so so bear with me um the other thing I think um just kind of building on that hybrid working piece is actually I think we're going to see a lot of innovation in the workplace um as in mm. physical workplace um as well yeah, so, I think so I think and I'm excited to see it so one thing mm. you know I've seen a few kind of more provocative LinkedIn posts saying do we ban laptops in the office so when people come into the office they don't bring their laptop and it's pure collaboration and then I wonder you know my mind whirls then because I'm like oh what does that mean for collaboration space? Like, will it become more like a design thinking in a kind of incubator? Like how amazing would that be? So I also think from an EX perspective, this is really important because I think the physical workplace will shift so much. And I'm actually super excited to see what comes yeah. out. What do you think? I've sort of, yeah, I've read some interesting research um, by people like Linda Gratton at the London Business School very much kind of positioning the office as a collaboration tool so it has to be seen as a tool in the same way you'd look at ms teams or zoom or any of those or you know when we talk about mural or myro and any of those that the office then becomes effectively an additional tool in your toolkit and and you use it for you know for certain things and the point you sort of said about um the laptop is really interesting because actually even from my own personal experience quite often now when I go in I structure my day so I have a hundred percent face-to-face meetings so I try not to do any video calls I occasionally it sort of slips if you know you can't you can't um you can't say no but most of the time I do and the last sort of few times I've been I've not taken my laptop I've just took my iPad where I can access emails um, but I've generally found because I'm structuring that day around, you know, social connection, face to face meetings. I don't need a laptop because I'm meeting yeah. people face to face. And um, and I think that makes it really interesting. But it's so it really requires effort to be really purposeful about structuring your week in that way. Mm. And I think the challenge is. And this is the bit I, I guess organisations are grappling with is an individual schedule versus the collective schedule. And I think that's the that's the bit that is still the question mark for me I think Mm. but yeah I think we will see some really cool innovative office spaces because they have to look different and I think it's also to attract people back in like I've seen Mm. quite a lot you know external research as well that is saying you have to give employees a reason why because they're sitting there going well if you if you want me to go in and do a bunch of video calls I'm not going to do that so absolutely then yeah there needs to be something else so I think that's a that's a big one for sure yeah absolutely 
So jumping to question three, then, what do we predict in terms of new trends or focus areas for next year? So again, we're kind of going to caveat this. These are our predictions. They're not you know, based on anything other than our gut feeling really at this point. But what do you think, Laura? What do you think is going to be new next year? Coming off mute there. Um, so one that we touched upon a little bit in the Gen Z episode was around mentoring and that I can't remember the, the exact stats, but there had been organizations that had seen, you know, kind of increases in productivity, et cetera, by mandating mentoring. So I think I think that will be a big one. I say for organizations to look at how would you how would you drive forward some of those programs, but but mm. almost actually from an employee experience perspective, make that an experience that is accessible for all. Because I think historically mentoring has been something that you might have been on a program because there's almost a specific that the program's got something specific about it as to why you would be on that program like it could be a female talent one as an example um or and this is sort of also in my experience you've kind of sought mentors out based on where you might be in a career journey and thinking about that sort of career development so I think something around kind of mandating that is really interesting because it sort of gives everybody almost more of a equitable footing in terms of access to that kind of experience and like we've said reverse mentoring for me is is a big one that I genuinely think in a good mentor relationship you learn both ways because and whether that's generational or it's you know different part of the business or 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 somebody's different perspective I think I think that's so important as well that you're both learning so I think that would be be one what are some of those that Mm. you foresee um I I totally agree with you. Um there are a couple. Um I think I'm trying to pick from the list here that I <laughs> put like my predictions. <laughs> Which ones do I like the most? Um I think uh, I'll go go for the first one. I think EX beyond the workplace is a big one and I mentioned this when we mm. did our Gen Z um episode. But how do we bring more of that external data into our experience design? So this is quite specific Mm. to to EX, but I think, you know, we talk a lot about experience data being, uh, you know, could be reports that we're able to run internally from our analytics team, but also employee listening. But actually, I think there's going to be another facet of that, which will be the pulse of the organization externally. And I think we talk about it kind of hypothetically at the moment, like maybe one person goes out and looks at Glassdoor. But I think actually we're going to see this kind of EX external listening become a lot more sophisticated and a little bit more plugged in to um, more frequent checks of how are people describing working for us outside of the organization? What do they say about us on Fishbowl? Those kind of things. So I think I see that as a new trend next year. I think that's Mm. going to become a really significant part of the EX listening, EX data debate, um, for sure. The other thing I would also call out is um, community at work. So, Mm. and I've, I had a really interesting call with someone who is looking to develop a solution in this space and, uh, you know, trying to get creative with how do we build community at work to get people in the office but also where we have hybrid working 
so that we're also not excluding those people as well. So we know that communities help people to feel a sense of belonging. They foster collaboration. Mm. But I think we're going to see some really exciting new tools in this space next year. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's true. Because I think there is the piece around, in, in this sort of COVID context, I think the maybe some of the negatives that people talked about was you you didn't kind of have some of those kind of serendipitous connections. But I think by having some of those, it does kind of focus around that broader sense of community. So I think if we are talking about hybrid, you've got to be more purposeful about how how do you sort of switch that together. And I've sort of had some really interesting conversations kind of internally, externally, also thinking about the the, the sort of almost um the corporate citizen and being part of a community of people with a common purpose versus again that individual need and that's something that I just feel it's like a pendulum that you're you're, you're sort of gonna you know have this balance um and and I think that's that's sort of going to play out even more next year and I think the um the sort of other one is is kind of thinking about how we how we actually do predict some of those trends so the two standout ones for me and just thinking about where they came from is um the quiet quitting and also the kind of great resignation and great Mm. reshuffle and I think if organizations or EX leaders HR practitioners can be getting ahead and that might be you know how, how how do they sort of almost like find out some of that intern the market what are they seeing on social media all of that sort of stuff that almost then maybe starts to pick out some of these trends or terms because it's just I I just find it actually really fascinating like how the the concepts of things like quiet quitting great reshuffle great resignation they sort of became a thing like almost overnight snowballed right Yeah, yeah like just snowballed in terms of of that being something that you know that people talked about and then obviously what happens the podcast the Mm. you know the articles all that kind of stuff so so I almost think how can organizations unpick some of that and I don't even know if that's like a really good social media team or yeah it's something about how do you dig into um the dialogue that might not always be seen and heard that then creates one of these trends and it it sort of snowballs right yeah totally agree I I I wonder if that sits in the same camp as kind of like getting ahead of the Roe v. Wade thing. Like you almost yeah. need like a social media person or like a media person in your HR team that can say mm. what we're seeing. Or, yeah. you know, it, it becomes part of, I don't know, even like your monthly team meetings that you get someone to do a feature on what's going on in the external market. What was the pulse? What are people talking about? Yeah. So I think it's really interesting. Um, and I think as well, and I got this from tiktok really but um this and and you mentioned this in the gen z episode actually so if you haven't listened to that do go back and listen to it but this kind of you know gen z are interviewing the organization a lot more rigorously now so they want to know and and this comes back to a tiktok i saw where someone was like you know if you were really honest and it was a real two-way interview you'd say things like so tell me about the last person that left in your team Have you ever promoted anyone in your team? How would people Mm, describe you as a people manager? And these are all really relevant questions. And so the other thing that I would say 
maybe not next year, but maybe the following year, is we might start to see, you know, how do we create candidate experience environments that foster that two-way questioning? And it's uncomfortable for organizations, but how can we get to a point where we say, you know, we encourage candidates to ask those challenging questions, or maybe we train our managers to be forthcoming with that information so that Mm. it's totally transparent. I don't know. I don't know if that's a trend for next year. I don't know if it's really a trend, but what do you think? But I think it's interesting when you think of um, maybe historically how we've looked at things like, say, competency-based interviews and, and sort of shift that sort of almost like how do you assess performance and potential as the interviewer but also create the space for the dialogue around some of those themes because actually like you say those questions are really 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 telling important questions like how an interviewer would answer that question around like what kind of people leader are you or um how would you describe the culture at the organization like they're all questions that you know candidates should be able to ask so it's it's so it's almost I think how how is the um the kind of assessment for potential and I, and I think on both sides how does that sort of play out in a different way and that yeah. for me then means you know your recruitment teams your talent teams are going to have to think differently and there's then probably a space I'm sure for some vendors to come in and think about tools that you know yeah. we can use to to do some of that like almost mm-hmm. something that's perhaps a bit of a um yeah something that sort of tests the potential and the competence versus the fit to the organization Mm -hmm. and and for me that's beyond things like a behaviors assessment which I think a lot of organizations already do it it, it's more than that it's that dialogue I think yeah yeah I agree I agree so those were a few predictions do let us know as always probably more so on Instagram you know get in touch let us know what you think is coming next year Um, because I'm sure there's plenty that we haven't covered, but always nice to kind of reflect on this year. I think it's been, it's been a pretty intense year. I'll be honest. I think it's been a good year though. I think I, I'm super Mm. excited to see EX gaining pace, you know, more EX courses coming out, more people talking about it, conferences kind of really pivoting to that full EX focus. So overall reflection, it's been a good year for EX, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And it, I sort of feel on that maturity matrix of where, you know, where we're sort of getting to with employee experience, it has felt like a a shift in gear, I think, this year. Yeah. And still three months left. So <laughs> there might who be another, who knows, right? There might be another quiet quitting, great resignation, great reshuffle. Um, get out there and look <laughs> I, at people's Instagram stories, TikTok, yeah. and, and that'll give you the answer, I think. Absolutely. But don't spend too much time on TikTok. I have a love-hate relationship with it. I download it and then I remove it and then I download it again yeah. and then I remove it because it's, it's really a... It's and and I also cool. think I'm probably showing my age here. I just haven't really got on with it. I've always been a bit like, yeah, let's <laughs> say I'm one of those. It's fine. So all good um so yes that was our reflection on this year and kind of some thoughts on next year so it'll be really interesting to see what transpires um but before we wrap up today's episode uh, we know the timing of this one is going to be around baby loss awareness week 2022 and as everybody knows we've been very vocal on this podcast about pregnancy loss and um baby loss and so we we definitely wanted to nod to it I think so I mean Laura Mm. any any thoughts you'd like to share kind of reflections? I know it's been a really hard year for you and you were very vulnerable in sharing your story 
with us a few episodes ago so yeah any thoughts from you um I think probably first one is our dms are always open probably the timing of baby loss awareness week less so for you because you will <laughs> be in the throes of the the newborn um newborn days but yeah definitely um mine are always open because I think for me I always had a I guess a is understanding the right word like I always I don't know I'm trying to think about phrasing it the right way when it when you've been through it it's just different I think and I feel others that when I've talked about it and others has opened up to me about it it feels like there's support there and I did reach out a lot during my experience earlier this year online and and some of the communities on Instagram and you know with the forums yeah. so I think the first thing I'd say is um my DMs would always be open um on Instagram or in LinkedIn just to talk about it with people yeah. um I think the other is doing what you need to do for you um, is, is probably a key thing. And one of my biggest learnings was kind of communicating to, especially in a work context, communicating what I, what I needed. And I may, I may, I think maybe some people wouldn't feel as comfortable doing that, but I think it's individual for each person, you know, like I know people that might've been through multiple losses and it was never something they wanted to discuss at work whereas actually I I, you know, I didn't sort of do like a a broadcast obviously but I did tell you know people that I trusted yeah and it then meant that it kept the dialogue going and and, and people would ask how I was doing and, and I sort of really appreciated that because it, it does sort of take time I think the other thing I would say is with any grief it it, it goes up and down so I I sort of um remember kind of going through my loss we went into the jubilee weekend for the queen's jubilee and um i think then i went on holiday and was and then, and then was back at work and almost that sort of it felt like i was then back in sort of you know i guess a sort of i don't know if ba used the right word but that kind of mode yeah. and um but then sometimes it would just hit me and it, and i think yeah that's the thing that it, it isn't going to be linear it will be you know up and down and I then also think when you go to try again that level of anxiety I think will always be be there it's it yeah Yeah. and I think that's that's really challenging because um I think we said it when we did the Roe versus Wade it takes away some of the hope right yeah so for sure yeah what about you what would be be your sort of reflections goodness well I feel like I've come full circle since the last baby yeah. loss awareness week. Like, you know, you asked me last year and I was in a really terrible spot. Um, yeah. It's really raw. Yeah. So, yeah. and like kind of coming around this year, you know, and you touched on a really good point. Like I'm at this point, 35 weeks pregnant and I'm so full of hope, but I'm also still petrified. And until, you know, my son yeah. is here, it will always be a really anxious time. And I think that's the other, Mm. that's the other element of it is pregnancy after loss is, you know, we talk about miscarriage leave and taking time off, you know, when you have a loss, which is super important, but also that support post, um, post loss. And when you're pregnant again, and you're kind of going through it, you know, that's when you need a community around you as well. And you need a tribe and you need to feel comfortable talking openly and being vulnerable about your anxiety. And, you know, 
not to make this too much about the workplace, but I think it's really important then that comes back to kind of like manager enablement, especially around, you know, how do you support someone who is going through a pregnancy after loss? Um, because it is a very fundamentally different experience in my view. And so, yeah. you know, I'm I'm full of hope this year and um, yeah, a slightly different perspective, but I just think it's such an important week. And as always, similar to you, Laura, my DMs are open. It might take me a while to reply this year, yeah. hopefully. Um, but but yeah, I just think it's such a such an important year. And for anyone going through it, or if you've if you've landed on this podcast because you've gone through a loss, you just know, you know, we're with you and you have our support and, and we're here if you ever need to talk. So hundred percent getting behind baby loss awareness week again this year and would say if you're a corporate looking to give your money to a charity this year tommy's tommy's is the one i want to call out absolutely um my i would not be this heavily pregnant if it were not for tommy's they connected us to a fantastic doctor who gave us all the medication and all the testing in the world to find out what was wrong and so yeah i'm just forever grateful for them and the work they do so throw your money their way this year make a donation yes. finish this episode and go and make a donation to Tommy's definitely yeah and I think the point you raised about um for me it's sort of that psychological safety and thinking about how you create that in a work context because it will be a really anxious time and it might not be you know something that the person wants to share with with everybody that they work with but that they feel comfortable to be able to tell key people I think that this this is going to make you anxious and we all know anxiety can then impact you know how you might do your job so yeah. I, I think that's super important and it's one of those things where it's not something that managers people leaders would necessarily go through that regularly yeah. so but it's one of those experiences that when it happens if, if you sort of get the right support I think can be can really make a difference so mm. yeah I would sort of say be making sure you're you're investing time and you know thinking through things like support guidance and, and Tommy's do like a great partnership with organizations like Bupa yeah. where they've got a a program which is dedicated to employees and managers where mm. colleagues will have gone through baby loss like whether that's a a miscarriage or a you know termination for medical reasons or stillbirth um or even actually a sort of you know um early kind of infant loss as well so that I think that's a they, they offer a lot of support so I agree I think it's a great a great charity mm-hmm. definitely for sure so yes um and that really marks our last episode for the foreseeable I, <laughs> I can't believe yeah. it <laughs> which was that song you know, we've come to the end of the road. That really cheesy song. <laughs> um, I won't, I won't do a rendition. But hey, guys, it's been a pleasure. I hope everyone has enjoyed listening to the podcast. You know, we're not going to be gone forever. Just do expect a couple of months of silence from us, just whilst I get into this new world of motherhood. I guess, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and of course, we'll keep you posted. So follow us on Instagram. That that is where we will probably announce the birth of little boy so um yeah it's been a pleasure guys we'll see you soon we will see you soon take Take care. care bye